Hi everyone, welcome to the Escapist Corner. Today we have a lovely episode again. Uh, isn't it nice we're taking picking up speed with these episodes now? Uh, we are going to meet Dogweb. He's an uh, HR expert. So if you're into looking for a new job or hiring people, this episode might be very interesting for you. But we are also taking on topics like how it is to move abroad with the family, what's the pros and cons of um, living in Europe or uh, living in, in the States. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good takeaways in this episode. So I hope you, you will like this one and, um, you know, be a good person. Share this episode with somebody who, who you love uh you care for and uh please uh give us some feedback what you think give us uh 40 stars or whatever you can give on whatever platform you're listening on um thank you i'm not gonna say anything more this episode will start now in a second okay now bye episode and this time it is with um, a lovely member of us uh, we have people viewing us of course uh, via via youtube maybe and uh, we also obviously are on spotify itunes anchor stitcher i don't know all the platforms oh wow um and um yeah we we're meeting with dog and uh, we're gonna try to to um uh get into the to the depths of uh, of hr and uh, things that might help people that are running a business and need to get people into that business but also for people that are looking for a job or or so and um um the good thing is that dog has some experience in this field so we will try to get uh into those uh uh fields uh in just a second um but we'll start with dog welcome um thank you thank you for can, having me can you um can you do a like a brief pitch about who is Mr. Webb? Who is Mr. Webb? Mr. Yeah. Webb is my father. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not allowed. To... <laughs> no, no, I'm teasing. I, I, uh, I always feel much older when anyone calls me Mr. Webb. So, um, no, but uh, so in terms of my HR career, I started um, actually with Siemens um, back in the U.S. and um, HR was not a career that I pursued. I, I just sort of fell into it um, by accident. Um, Siemens was hiring for a program manager to manage a sales development program for their building technologies group at the time. That's what it was called. So I joined up. Uh, I had experience in recruiting. I had experience in um, uh, career development, uh, having worked at University of Chicago and as an IT staffing uh, recruiter and sort of perfect mix. And then from there, 
Um, they converted my job into an HR job, which was funny. And that's how I, you know, got into the HR career path. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it just sort of, you know, took off from there. I, um, I was what I like to call playing offense in HR, which is, you know, focusing on development, career advancement, um, early career programs, you know, getting sort of early graduates into Siemens, getting them uh, acclimated, trained, developed, and then plugging them into the various businesses within um, Siemens in the U.S. From there, went to Siemens Saudi Arabia. Um, and that was as a project manager for building out a gas turbine factory in Saudi Arabia, which was awesome. So I actually lived in Saudi Arabia and then that went well. And they offered me a job in Egypt to be the head of HR, uh, for Siemens Egypt. Um, so I got sort of a very broad experience of HR, uh, in that role. And then from there, um, Egypt was n- maybe not the best place to be at that time. So went to, uni- um, you were not in the brotherhood. Uh, we, it, this was during the coup. So okay. I was recently, uh, married. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child and, uh, we were trapped in our apartment for two weeks at one point in time, you know, because mm. of, uh, various activities around the city. So, um, we decided, okay, it's time to get out. So we, yeah. we, we got out early. Um, I went, uh, or we went back to the U S, uh, started working for United Technologies, which is another industrial company. Um, so, and then from there went to another company called GCP Applied Technologies. And then from there went to my current company now, which is Perkin Elmer. So mm-hmm. that span of careers, um, it's about 18, 20 years or so, yeah. um, have had experience in recruiting, labor relations, uh, what I would call traditional HR business partnering, mm-hmm. um, as well as, uh, learning and development and then comp and bend. So. Mm-hmm. My, from an HR experience standpoint, I'm fairly well-rounded or at least dangerous in a lot of topics, but I'm by no means a specialist in any specific one other than um, being an HR partner to a publicly traded company. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, interesting. Uh, And uh, if we go uh, deeper than that, so... You're oh you're American to start with. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. And uh, you're from Boston originally, or that was the last place I was living. But yeah. I've lived in Boston, Chicago, Charlotte, North Carolina is where I grew up. Um, but I've in Charlotte. Of... Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So by accident, I know about that place, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not many people do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, cool. So. Uh, what did you study? Uh, when? Uh, very related to HR. I'm uh, yeah. being sarcastic right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, my bachelor's was in math economics. Right. Um, and then I had gotten an MBA in finance and marketing. So um, the funny thing is, is that none of that has to do with HR, except it is all incredibly, it's helpful for a career in HR. So, um, having more of a, uh, analytical background and, um, a knowledge of, uh, finance, you know, and how it operates within companies is incredibly helpful as an HR partner, because one of your, um, primary partners in any business that you work in is your finance partner and making sure that you're tied out in a lot of companies. It's almost the same person, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on how small it is, but the reality is, is that the bigger you go, you have to have some specialization. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, very interesting to hear. Uh, 
um, I talked about this in the last podcast with, um, I met um, the, the CEO of a company called OPEX, called mm-hmm. Jim Crow. Um, and he, I, I told him, I, I joked with him, make it, made a joke, joke about him. Um, because he's, he, I, he's a CEO and so on, but I, I told him like, um, he, he had this seminar where he talked about the, the importance of words and how mm-hmm. you express yourself and what yeah. kind of words you use. And, uh, he had some good, um, good, um, tips. Uh, I, I would, uh, uh, definitely recommend to listen to, to that, but he has some tips on like how words are really important. But I told him like, yeah, so you're a marketer. And, uh, and, uh, the funny thing, cause I'm, I'm trying to connect these things is, uh, one of my, <clears throat> one of my, um, I don't know, job recruiting mentors, mm-hmm. uh, when I went to school, uh, he was former marketing, uh, or CMO, uh, in a couple of, a couple of different companies before he, um, he started with this mentoring for uh like uh, graduates and okay uh so he was from marketing but he helped us with recruiting mm-hmm. or like you know yeah for job applications and and he was a lot of into you know yeah knowing the words right mm-hmm. so you're marketing yourself kind of you didn't do any marketing class with us but just job <laughs> search <laughs> no that's uh, it's it's funny because you sent a couple of ideas you know to discuss yeah. and that's um when i was thinking about that you know in terms of just you know trying to gather some thoughts that was uh one of the main things that you know sort of landing on is when when either you're looking to recruit somebody into your company or you're looking for a job yourself yeah. it's it's really this you know what is that value statement that you bring and does that fit within what the company is looking for and mm-hmm. and you know vice versa it's a two-way street it it needs to to fit um it's little lego pieces that then stack up to each other and you know connect yeah. and it makes a seamless you know integration is what you're hoping for in that um in that job search you know either you as a candidate or as the company and when it works and it fits well it's great and it's a long you know relationship and yeah. um it's more born out of how much have you spent thinking about ahead of time, you know, what do you really want? Mm. Where do you want to take your career? You know, and then how do you succinctly communicate that? Um, because you usually only get about 30 minutes to capture somebody's attention yeah. if you're lucky, but the reality is it's only about three minutes, you know, that you mm. have, you know, to capture their attention. Mm. So, yeah, um, that's true. And, yeah. and yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this, uh, or, there's um jim crow uh actually talked about this book called pitch anything uh mm-hmm. by orin Clough. i don't know if you know that i but, i've heard of it i haven't read it um i read that book years ago and uh, he asked two minutes you know to land a billion dollar deal that, mm-hmm. that's it so he had to know uh how to have a strategy to you know place those you know the values and everything mm-hmm. in line because in two minutes if if he hasn't connected he he's out mm-hmm. you, you don't get the deal yeah and you don't get the pitch again and it takes a lot you know you might spend months or years to get to that boardroom to be able to pitch anything 
So you need to have your words carefully thought of before you, you go in. Um, but um, <clears throat> very, very, uh, very interesting that you're talking about that uh, regarding the, the values and the kind of the thought of process of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's one of the key elements that we brought from the Congress we were at last weekend. So, uh, what's your vision and what's your mission? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, um, this is nothing super new, right? But, uh, am I wrong if I say that the, the talk about value driven companies is something has, that has been like more recent in like the last five years where everyone is talking more about your value uh the value base and well yeah if if you look at it because through the history of um employers you know and sort of what they offered if you think about it most likely your parents you know worked at the same company for a very very long period of time Mm. um and their career advice to you is, you know, put your head down, you know, just keep doing what they ask you to do. Somebody mm-hmm. will recognize your performance and, you know, everything will be great and just trust that the company is doing the right thing. And the reality is, is that um, that has not always been the case. And there's been cataclysmic disasters, mm-hmm. you know, of certain companies where the employees, you know, trusted that the company was headed in the right direction and they just put their head down. They were working and then they find themselves um, without a job mm. and with, you know, the, um, sort of brand of this, you know, disgraced company, you know? So with that came the pendulum swinging all the way over to the other side, which is that people don't, um, inherently trust, you know, the companies that they're looking for mm. and they begin to question it. And then that's, you know, uh, in the U S we talk about, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, you know, uh-huh. and, and from a recruiting standpoint and what have you, and you had Gen X, which you know, I'm a Gen Xer, mm. d- don't trust any company, don't trust anything, you know, so mm. on and so forth. Gen Y is really looking for, yeah, okay, look, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm going to question it, but I want to look for more. I want to look mm. for something that, you know, inspires me, yeah. um, where I can collaborate with like-minded individuals, where I can have a fellowship almost, you mm. know. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's interesting, the evolution of companies, um over the history of time, it's kind of, um, you had, you know, church and companies and, you know, you had your fellowship at church and you had, you know, companies as, you know, uh, a means to get paid by, mm-hmm. but now these worlds have sort of been merging and people are looking for, you know, because you spend more and more time with your coworkers than anybody yeah. else than yeah. your family. even. Yeah. So, um, that's why it's so critically important to, you know, put out there, what do you, what do you aspire to be? What are you trying to, um, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, why are you in business? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what is it? What is the impact that you want to have? Because if you do, um, guess what? Then other people, are, hey, that's what I want to do too. I mm-hmm. want to help out with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what it gets into. You know, talking about fit and making sure that you know the employees that you're attracting mm-hmm. fit within that you know, mission and vision and so forth. So, um, it's, it's more important now than ever because, um, if you look at the talent landscape, there's, it's very difficult to find skilled talent. Um, you know, finding unskilled talent, it's easy. Um, but are they motivated to help you? 
Um, so. <clears throat> and is, but uh, sorry, uh, this, I want <laughs> uh, no, uh, but this really uh, makes me uh, think about the experience I had also in in Stockholm. Now this weekend is that how service is just down the drains uh, in many industries. Mm. So I I go to a coffee shop and the guys in the coffee shop they don't know how to work with the cashier they don't know how to work with to do a coffee they don't know how to put things orderly into the shopping window whatever and uh you go to a hotel they they don't know how the booking system really works and they they don't smile at you don't they don't they don't they don't offer you a friendly mm-hmm. advice to hey can i help you can i do something no it's it's more like you're uh you're you're talking to someone who's just like put there and is and is like as confused as you are about the situation and that was like continuously and each touch point you go to people are just not offering any good service mm-hmm. and and i may from my point of view okay if i work somewhere where i really hate to be i'm i'm not going to be an ace um but that used to be different. So has it, the pendulum kind of swung too far that you don't feel like any kind of uh, um, proud or, or pride for, for whatever you do? Because like, mm. uh, even if you're polishing shoes, like there is some pride in doing a good service and mm-hmm. having a good conversation with anyone. And Well, I think... It... <laughs> You know, to mm-hmm. it, based on these examples, if you think about like a, uh, you know, coffee shop, impl- if I go to a coffee shop and I get great service, you know, yeah. what can I have, you know, smile, yeah. you know, very engaged, very quick, efficient service, you know, um, thinks ahead in terms of, oh, you're going to want this or that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you leave, you know, the, the uh, cafe with sort of a, a spring in your step, you know, you're smiling, you're happy because it was a great interaction and you've got your coffee and you get, you know, yeah, and that's mm. what I wanted. Um, you know, the question is then, you know, to that barista, like, you know, why, why do you put that much, you know, pride in your work? Yeah. You know, um, this is why a lot of people in terms of their job, like it's a, it's a paycheck, Yeah, you know, um, they're not going to be as fulfilled and engaged in what they're doing if they view it as just a paycheck. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why um, it's important to, you know, select the right people to bring in in order to have that service, you know, mentality. Mm-hmm. Because if some people are just, they dislike people, you know, yeah. and yeah. you shouldn't put them in a, in a customer-facing role. But let's say, you know, they're fantastic at, you know, data, spreadsheets, you know, what have you. Let them do your books, yeah. you know, and they, and they get lost in that and they get engaged in that mm. and they start, you know, identifying opportunities for you to, oh, hey, we can actually increase our prices here and lower them here and we'll actually, you know, sell mm. more and, you know, so forth. So mm. um, anyway, it's um, my my theory is, is that because of the scarcity of uh, of talent and just labor in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I differentiate between the two because talent is, you know, uh, implies some level of skill. You know, mm-hmm. labor is just, you know, sort of commoditized yeah. uh, labor. So um, when, you, uh, when you look at the scarcity of labor as a whole and, you know, with that also uh, talent, 
you're going to see that um, you have to you have to rethink how your business is, you know, and how you grow your business because you know, nine times out of 10, you need people to grow your business. Um, it's, you know, it's what you need. And when you hire the right people, you know, the right fit, the right person is worth more, you know, than five of the wrong people. You know, it's, um, it's really that sort of powerful and exponential in terms of, you know, that, that impact. Hmm. Um, so, um, my guess is these coffee shops, you know, that's their business plan is to be in a good location where it doesn't matter if they're giving good service or not because people don't care. Yeah. You know? But uh, do you think there's been any, uh, is there any difference now from like 10 years in, in that way that, because we were talking about Gen Y, C yeah. and all these, um, maybe we can, we can specify what those are in just one second, but is there any, difference in in this just the term of you know even if i'm doing something i dislike Mm -hmm. because this is where i see like the difference between talent and uh um somebody who is mm, uh you know uh yeah workforce uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or what was the term you used labor labor yeah is that even if you're labor and we say you lack talent then just doing you know a bit harder work meaning you might need to spend some extra time to get talented uh, right so it's more the mindset that you know i'm i might not be the best barista you know but every time i'm there i'm just going to give my full all in this might not be the end goal but i'm going to do this so good that every time anyone comes in that's like a job interview for the next position whatever it might be True, but do they understand that? That's yeah. the thing is, do they understand the why? Yeah. Um, why they should be doing that? Mm-hmm. And that's where that, you know, if if a coffee store's, you know, vision is to ensure that, you know, each customer is appropriately caffeinated with a delicious beverage, yeah. you know, to send them off on their day. You, I can see you're already smiling yeah. with this sort of, you know, vision statement. That's much better than, you know. Yeah. serving coffee yeah. the best that you can because then it's like eh, you yeah. know yeah um it's tough to maintain that type of momentum unless you're you're sort of aspiring to something that mm-hmm. you know um is above you in terms of a of a calling almost and it seems hard you know to do that even within you know uh a job as like a barista mm-hmm. um it but the reality is is that um that so my current job I'm a HR business partner for our global manufacturing group uh in the company that I work in mm. um what's amazing is is that you, there's a very clear link between the management that are just great communicators that can you know sort of um succinctly communicate that that vision that purpose you know uh what they're doing and how engaged and how meaningful the work is, even though it's repetitive, even mm. though it is just, it's, it's a manufacturing line. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, we have a site in Turku, Finland, that's phenomenal. Um, one of our best sites and, um, and their job is to make, uh, the little chemical reagent assays that, um, measure, um, in, in, you know, newborn babies, you know, so most, mm. most people that have a, a kid remember they, they prick the heel of uh, the child, mm. put blood on a little piece of paper, yeah. 
that test is ours and it measures um, different types of ab abnormalities, uh, disorders, what have you, that you can detect and treat early on mm. um, so it doesn't become a problem later on in life. Mm. And it's a low cost test. It is very easy. It is non-invasive. You know, it's all these things where you're saving lives, you yeah. know? So, um, with that, you know, it's an easy mission to get behind yeah. and all, everyone that's manufacturing in that site gets behind that, even though mm. they're doing as repetitive a task as serving coffee, Yeah, you know? So it's just like, it's, it's finding that why finding that mission, mm. you know, that, um, that pulls people in. Mm. And, uh, what's interesting is that site, I, if I had to guess in terms of what is the national average in Finland in terms of, you know, people that have, you know, children versus don't and compare that against our manufacturing group, I haven't done that, but now yeah. I'm thinking about, it might be interesting, but yeah. my theory is, is that the majority of them have their own children, yeah. you know, and find themselves in their work, you know, as a result of that. Yeah. So, so they can relate to the benefit of the, what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very personal. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. So uh, something that most companies would need to define it as their vision and and then start to bone out how to get there via their mission yeah and um do you rec reckon um this is my take on big companies when it comes to that you have value um these values right being displayed and um because of this kind of rise rising tide of everyone has to follow the, the 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 vision and the mission so these companies have constructed the vision and the mission out of i don't know if they pulled it out of thin air or if it's really generally like this was my granddad's you know um uh, yeah dream and and it might be but my we take a company like uh uh yeah volkswagen uh vw and um they might have like the greatest vision in the world but they're not living by it if that makes sense uh, i understand your point yeah, yeah so, um i i can give you so i, I won't name the company but there was a yeah. company in my past where i hope i, I don't get sued by Volkswagen? I, I don't think so. No. It's it's a it's your opinion. Yeah. You're entitled to that. So, um, but there was a company in my past where um, the vision mission, yeah. you know, um, the, even the logo and the name and so forth. I was asking our CEO. It was a big town hall meeting, and yeah. I asked our CEO. I was like, "Oh, you know, this is a you know sort of compliment him on the vision and mission statement." Um, and I was like, how did, how did this come about? Because I was looking for the story, you know, behind it. And he's like, I don't know. I wrote some notes on a napkin and I gave it to our marketing guys and they spruced it up. And that was, that was one month into the company. Mm -hmm. And I was and that was a red flag for me because yeah. I was like, Hmm. And what happened was over the course of time, I saw exactly that's how the company operated. It was just kind of mm -hmm. like, there was things to check the box, but they didn't believe in it. And they were just chasing the dollars. They were chasing the quarter. They were yeah. chasing um, what Wall Street wanted them to do. Mm. Um, and as a result, not successful. Yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. that's, um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that we have these big dinosaurs on the market. Yeah. But uh, I mean, 
you could argue that these companies will bite their own tail uh, because of the, um, yeah, because they might have enough cash flow profit from the past. They're big, them. they're big enough to sort of sustain really yeah. bad weather, um, yeah. so to speak. And, um, you know, Volkswagen is a perfect case. You know, they, I think they spent what, like 8 billion euro in fines and what have you. And then they're also having to redesign everything and, yeah. you know, so forth. They're gonna, um, and I, there, there are some predictions, uh, out there uh i can't recall his name now uh the professor of uh nyu he says like yeah these big companies are going to break down into smaller companies uh, well you're seeing it now in fact i mean uh, uh, i look at siemens siemens is you know signaling to the market that you know they're breaking apart and um you know part of that is being driven by the market because you know they're like oh these companies have gotten too big mm. they're not able to specialize in these different topics so mm. they're not providing enough shareholder you know uh, uh value of return mm. on investment so you know you should really split off you know and then you can focus on that because this market is really going to accelerate and this one is going to kind of stay stagnant and mm. anyway people want to diversify their bets or what have you but um you're, you're seeing that trend now in a natural selection way. Um, United Technologies, another company I work for, they've announced that they're splitting into three or four different companies. Mm. Um, you look at what GE's done. Diversifying risk too, right? Well, the assumption originally was as they combined was that they were diversifying risk. And now um, you look at a GE and you look at sort of, you know, their collapse, um, Mm. And what they're having to do to right the ship, um, now they're, you know, breaking off, you know, business units and what have you. GE in five years will look drastically different. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll be one business unit, you know, um, compared to what it used to be. Um, and, and so to your point, yes, these bigger companies will break down into, you know, much smaller companies, but also um, the rate of tech and innovation and the ability to disrupt, you know, well-established industries um, it's quite significant. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's not difficult anymore. Um, my, the business I'm in, one of the biggest threats is we have you know these giant instruments that sit on a tabletop mm-hmm. that measure very small itty bitty compounds and elemental components and what have you. Um, and the reality is, people are building little things that attach to your iPhone. And then applying a algorithm that then, you know, sort of reads inferences of that. So you don't need the hardware to be as precise. You know, the software can then dial in Mm. um, how specific, you know, it's reading, you know, different things in terms of how much, you know, paper is in this cup and, you know, so forth. And um, so you've actually lowered the cost of operating that and putting it in the hands of consumers versus professionals. Mm. Um, so if you imagine, you know, a pharmaceutical company that have nothing but R and D, mm. you know, scientists, you know, that, um, have two, three PhDs, you know, developing new drugs and what have you, yeah. um, now you're creating technologies where somebody in a garage can come yeah. up with a new, you know, a pharmaceutical drug has to still go through the same barriers, but yeah. that, that cost of innovation has been drastically lowered. Yeah. So, this, um, and this is in every field. Um, yeah. You have <clears throat> this is kind of the hope on uh let's say the environmental discussion that is going on right now is that what um 
what people don't realize is how we drastically have have decreased the amount of uh, production mm-hmm. and how much we or uh, sorry uh, resources and how we have increased the amount of production on those uh, resources mm-hmm. um, there are many different ideas or different uh, suggestions out there but uh, I have like one benchmark thing is like 50 years ago or 60 years ago there were about like 140 million cows in the US uh, or sorry like 100 years ago 140 mm-hmm. million cows and they were um, yeah providing food for 30 million Americans or something like that mm-hmm. 100 million I don't know and now you have uh, about 80 to 90 million cows providing 350 million people with food so it's it's dramatically uh, the production has dramatically got better in every field more or less um so uh there's a book called more from less by andrew mcafee i think he's mm-hmm. uh at uh, mit uh he has like two or three books in this kind of topic uh where he says like how innovation is driving because uh, it's usually you you get the, the the picture of like yeah innovation is this we're just gonna deforest all the entire nature or the entire globe because of innovation because we are hungry for more but that's not completely true like we're replacing so many areas now with uh, that word deforest are getting back mm. um because we don't need those we don't need to fuel our homes with wood anymore for example yeah so um that's a big big win um but yeah um off uh, got off top, topic there but um, <laughs> that's all right how um from your point of view now you've been like you've been in the saudi arabia egypt mm-hmm. and now also in uh germany how was it is your wife german or mm-hmm. yeah she's yeah. from berlin she's from berlin that, yeah. that was, so it was not totally coincidence that you ended up here no 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 this was um w- my wife and i talked about you know mm. where we want to be for our kids and your so why what your your vision oh yeah my why my why yeah exactly um so we we, you know we discussed you know what what we want you know um for our daughters you know in terms of growing up and what have you and there were certain things that like in the u.s that we wanted you know slightly better um so we started looking at you know how do we you know how do we change our location you know how do we how do we ensure of that and and so forth and um she was fortunate enough she applied to a job it's her dream job you know and it's very clear it's you know it it, like their why is her why you know so it's um it's it's perfectly it's a perfect fit perfect match it's great and i'm and i'm thankful for that um so you know because of that um she got that job i asked my employer hey can i work remotely from germany and they were they were very kind and fortunate to uh allow me to do that yeah Every every video starts with your head right in the middle of the shot. Yeah, uh, the, <laughs> it doesn't have to, but I just like to see myself. No, <laughs> no. Um, 
Sorry, sorry. Uh, that's that's okay. So, so that's what brought us to Berlin. Um, and you know, it's been, it's been great for us, you know, from a family perspective. I mean, there's just, that is one very nice thing about, uh, Germany is just, um, the overall, what I would call infrastructure support, you know, Mm -hmm. to have a family, um, here, you know, the, you know, how daycare is set up, you know, how in, in we're, we're paying, one tenth for our daycare, what we were spending yeah. in the U.S., yeah. um, which is insane. You know, it's mm. like in, in the U.S., you are almost kind of like, you know, does one of us stay home? Yeah. Um, because it's it it was that cost prohibitive, you know, to send two kids into daycare. That's usually so. what happens in the states, right? So you have um, usually mom then staying home because otherwise, if mom is working, she's simply working to pay the daycare. It it. <laughs> sometimes yeah. yeah yeah um and the problem is in the u.s from a um job market perspective this idea this concept of part-time working mm. is not really a thing whereas yeah. here in germany it's much different you yeah. know in terms of allowing flexible hours you know and, and so forth i mean there's much more what i call statutory uh regulation around um protecting you know the family yeah. um whereas in the u.s that does not exist um, so we actually did it in reverse. We should, what we should have done is come here, you know, to have kids, you know, get the maternity and paternity leave and, you know, so on and so forth, yeah. you know, and then, and then once the kids are, you know, in school, then, yeah. you know, maybe someplace else, but yeah. oh well. I think that's, um, uh, your experience there is quite interesting with uh, like making that decision to move, uh, abroad with, with family and kids and how, because I think that's might be, you know, many people thinking about that. Um, I mean, me and my wife, we play with that thought, like, what if we would go somewhere? Mm-hmm. What if we, like, yeah, how's that with school? How's that with, and you start to like, ah, no. Uh, well, yeah, there's a bunch of barriers, you know, yeah. that, that you would have to overcome. And the question is, what are you trying to solve for, mm-hmm. you know? Um we, you know, for us, we were living in Boston and we had no family, um, yeah. you know, near us and the opportunity to move to a great city. I mean, I absolutely love Berlin mm. um, and have family nearby. You know, it was like, OK, this is this is really good. And then, it, you know, all the other things, it was just um, once once it was OK, you know, for my company to say, yeah, OK, you know, mm. then it was like, let's do this. Let's make it happen. So, yeah. Um, speaking, speaking of like the, the cultural differences, um, not only like with the daycare and stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, you said there's, there's like the, the, the concept of part-time and stuff like that in the U S is not really there. Is it because people are so scared of being replaced or, mm. um, and why, why are people why is it more possible to replace people in the U.S. than here? U.S. is at-will employment, which yeah. means that both the employee and the company are there at will. There is no actual contract. Yeah. So there is no guarantee. There is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you could show up to work and the employer says, you're gone. Your job's eliminated. Yeah. And they don't have to pay you anything or what have you. There is unemployment insurance uh, that is offered by the government and that covers you for a certain period of time. But... 
the reality is that can happen. And the converse can also happen. That employee shows up and says, see you later. I'm never coming back here again. Hmm. Um, so it's, that's very unlike Germany where, you know, you, you have, if you're going to leave a company in Germany, typically you have a two or three months, you know, yeah. notice period. Hmm. So, um, which as an American, I find incredibly awkward that you say, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys later. I don't like you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but in three months, you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of funny. Um, but I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking long-term as a company. So if you're firing people at will or you're going at will, mm-hmm. uh, what does that mean for your relationship also? Because I'm thinking if you're working somewhere, um that's those are very valuable contacts network you might have there so you don't want to burn those bridges like, mm-hmm. and if you spent years in some office or whatever in, employment in the u.s is much um is the power shifted completely to the companies it's mm-hmm. not it, it's not a 50 50 um thing so it's it's very much um skewed in favor of companies but that's also why you see um, a lot of economic growth in the U.S. and a lot of people, you know, but it, like that's that's yeah. one of the main drawback or um, draws is that companies go, oh, shoot, you know, yeah, yeah, I can I can ebb and flow with the market in terms of labor, you know, yeah, let me put that in the U.S. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate because it's also very disruptive and it creates a lot of uncertainty for employees in terms of like, mm-hmm. okay, do I, you know, can I think like my parents did and mm-hmm. put my head down mm-hmm. work hard I'll, my performance will be noticed mm-hmm. and i will always have a job yeah. you know um that that promise no longer exists mm-hmm. you know so um which is unfortunate so it's um yeah it, and what ends up happening is you have um a lot of mistrust you mm-hmm. know as a result so um you know it's uh, being in HR, it's always an unfortunate event when you have to do a restructure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you say, okay, the business has changed and we need to fundamentally adapt our cost structure, which includes how many people we have employed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to work through the selection process and so forth and what have you. And, and it's much different in the U S versus other countries because um, in the U.S., you each time you do this and restructuring the business, it's the same exercise, but it's a matter of where you're mitigating the risk. Yeah. In Germany, you mitigate the risk once you announce, "Hey, we need to restructure." And then you're working through Works Council mm. consultations, and depending on the different thresholds and what have you, you work through that with the employees to then select and you know so yeah. on and and so forth. Um, in the U.S., you make all those decisions in a very small group. Mm. You vet it with legal and what have you, and then you notify the employees and, and you've mitigated all your risk before you told the employees. Whereas yeah. um, I find it much more humane, um, the European style, which is that you're engaging the employees mm. in that discussion. Um, so that way they can collectively help sort of make the best decision, you know, given the group. And I... I me personally, I believe you end up with better outcomes in that, you know, uh, process than you do, you know, in the U.S. In the U.S., it's, you know, a small group of people that make command decisions about who should stay and who should go. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, um, both systems have their. Uh, pros and cons. Pros and yeah. cons, uh, obviously. Um, I mean, uh, sometimes I can see 
companies like in Germany, they're reluctant to employ anyone because mm-hmm. of the risk. Yeah. Right. So, so the growth of the companies are not going to be as exponential in that sense. Um, I mean, uh, there are, there are many ways that German companies also kick people out in yeah. one day's notice and everything. So, and that might be a part of like the scheme, but for sure you need to have more buffer for handling those kind of crises. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I think that's, uh, I mean, maybe helpful for people to understand. And also I think sometimes we, uh, as Europeans, we, we don't, really understand how the pressure is different when you don't have any work insurance in that sense mm. uh how much yeah i mean at one uh, one point i guess you're not so anxious anymore because this is like every day it's going to be like this so uh it's like being under a bomb threat every day it's you're after a while you're not going to think about it that much but it's constantly there so it's going to uh at least affect your performance a bit and it's uh, it, if you think about it like uh maslow's hierarchy of needs you know yeah. it's like do you have housing and food you know taken yeah. care of and that's sort of the bare minimum and yeah. then do you you know and then you get into like emotional needs you know um mm-hmm. at the top of the period pyramid it plays out exactly with employees as well like if you tell them mm-hmm. you have a job you will be paid this you know and there's going to be no change to that for the more certainty you can provide them on that mm. base layer the more you can then build on mm. you know the other bits and pieces which is getting them motivated and engaged in you know your mission yeah um and moving them forward and having them find themselves in that work and showing up and you know being excited mm. um and delighting your customers yeah. so yeah, yeah. Well, uh, very good so uh i i sent you some some questions here uh ahead we mm. both we, we both had like five seconds to read them uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um i i think it's always good to i, I think we already had some we, good, we've covered several of them but some good points for people to really uh grasp on mm-hmm. um yeah before we do that can we just um make this uh what's the list of the different generations uh uh gen so 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 the um uh in the u.s they call it the greatest generation you know and that's um that's everyone that uh was born immediately or um uh before world war ii lived through world war ii and the baby boomers baby boomers are after that so the baby boomers because everyone came home from war Mm. and they were having babies yeah Yeah. um (laughs) And there was a massive surge in population, what have you. So, yeah. Um, yeah so you have the greatest generation, which is just very. Um, I mean, they were resource, you know, strapped. They were, mm. you know, difficult times. They they persevered. A lot of grit. You know that mm. that's sort of their makeup. Yeah. Um, you know, the baby boomer generation. You know, trust in you know sort of the larger companies. I. I need to be loyal to my company. I need to, you know, sort of produce 2.3 kids. I need to, you know, yeah. like this is the the mentality. And then you get into Gen X, which is, um, uh, you know, d- distrustful of uh, of companies, you mm-hmm. know, from um, because they've seen, you know, sort of 
these companies that the baby boomers were trusting and then they find themselves without a job late in their career mm. uh, without the ability to shift or transfer and it's like well i don't want that to happen to me so mm. Mm. this is where sort of you know the gen xers were um, rebellious and you see that in sort of you know punk culture and you know uh, other things and then you get into the millennials um, mm. gen y mm. you know um, and that is uh, much more um, you, what you had was uh, the what are known as helicopter parents, mm. you know, that uh, took a completely different approach to parenting and they, they engaged their kids, you know, mm. in terms of their opinion and so forth and mm. kind of hovered over them to protect them and what have you. So this is a generation that catches a lot of grief, but mm. they shouldn't, mm. you know. Um, they, uh, uh, they're able to... Um, they adapt to technology way faster. They build networks way faster than anybody else. Mm. Um, they learn at a speed that, you know, blows us away. Um, you know, so these are all the, the positives, but they also uh, refrain or shy away from uh, very direct feedback, you know, as mm. well, because they, they weren't receiving that as they grew up because typically both parents were working. They felt guilty about the time that they spent with their kids. So yeah. they didn't, they didn't sort of provide that, you know, very direct feedback of no, yes, you know, this, that, mm. and the other. And that's not a... See, many of them had more um, freedoms and, you know... Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were, they saw themselves almost it, like it's not uncommon for uh, millennials to sort of call their parents by their first name, yeah. which is unheard of by a baby boomer, you know, yeah. baby boomer, what? No, it's mom and dad, and you call your friend's parents Mr. and Mrs., and, you yeah. know, that's how it is. Yeah. Um, so there's like a... I'm a millennial, and that's very true for us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the next generation, I don't think they've really named yet. They keep on, they're circling on Gen Z, which just sounds lazy to me, but, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, they're just starting to enter the, the job market, so it's like... Mm. I, I I don't know if anyone's really classified, you know, Gen Z, and it seems to be that each generation, the duration of years shortens. So, like, mm. the cycle time of, you know, what these generations are getting shorter and shorter. Okay, um, okay. So, anyway. That's interesting. I'm thinking the next generation, um, maybe this is my biased view, but they are more the teenies forever kind of mindset uh but maybe i'm wrong uh but yeah we i mean uh, the time will tell you know in, thir tell, in yeah. 30 years you'll look back on them and you might be calling them the greatest generation who knows yeah, yeah exactly so. yeah and like damn they were innovative damn they were good at yeah they uh, saved us you yeah. know they they turned the planet around they did this who knows um yeah so. <laughs> um all right so um, let's dig into these uh, small rapid fire questions. <laughs> so now we're getting into the questions. <laughs> um, I, I think the most, uh, or we, we could do this a bit briefly, but uh, what's the, um, yeah, what are the like top three things? And if you're looking for a job, what's the top three things you need to do? Like, um when you're looking for a job or, or when you're applying for a job um number one is know thyself you know so mm -hmm. it, it, you have to spend some time reflecting being self-aware of who you are how you operate 
what you're what you do on a daily basis you know is it something that I, I see it very often where people are just following a function or a career path because mm. um that's what they've always done but mm. they hate it mm. you know they're good at it but they hate it you know um and they'd much rather do something else or cross over and it's mm. like then you should cross over mm. um so really being understanding and this is a continual process of just being self-aware you know um asking for feedback understanding that you know and sort of um crystallizing what it is that keeps you motivated in your day so Mm. um you know one thing is i'm a social animal i need to i need to have human interaction okay trading emails all day makes me crazy i I absolutely you know i can't stand it you Mm. know so i have to have you know phone calls, Skypes, you know, actual mm. live meetings, you know, what have you. The, those are the things that keep me engaged and excited about my job. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, it so, must be hard when you're remote. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. tough. Um, but that's, you know, it's what you do. So, yeah. um, but then uh um, you know, some of the other things. So, you have to know yourself and then to your point earlier on in terms of marketing yourself, you mm. know, if you know yourself well, then it's very easy to market yourself in terms of what your value is, what you're looking and why it, why it fits within what the company is looking for, you know. Mm. And then three is engaging your network. Mm. Um, you know, so if you're looking for a job, if you know yourself, you have that sort of, you know, um, sales pitch of what you're looking for, why, mm. um, and what value you bring, mm. you know, then it's very easy to connect with other people. LinkedIn is maybe the greatest tool ever. Mm. Um, although some people treat it as if it's like Tinder now, you know, so, um, that's a whole nother story, but, um, from, uh, just getting connected to people and companies that you could never find before, Mm. um, and asking for an informational interview, which is, you know, Hey, I want to interview you about your job Mm. and better understand it, especially if you're making a transition into something new. Mm. Um, it's very easy to say, Hey, I've done X, Y, and Z. I really want to learn about ABC. Mm. You're doing, you know, A and C. I'd like to, you know, can I buy you coffee and learn more about that? And mm. you develop your networks. You then connect with more people. You ask for referrals. And and that's where the ball really starts rolling. And then you end up finding uh, a really fulfilling job mm. um, as a result of that. Mm. So that's, that's to me, you, you always have to start with yourself. You know, what do you want? Why you want it? You know, is that, does that make sense? And you'll tinker with that as you get feedback through the network, as you're, you know, mm-hmm. engaging other people. They may be like, oh, I wouldn't say that, or I would say this, or, you know, they'll be looking for this or not that, you know. And it helps you sort of tweak that for each audience. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's that would be my advice for job seekers. Yeah. So. Um, from the opposite view. <clears throat> as, as an employer. As an you employer. Know, how, look, how do you find, um, I, find the guys with the right... I mean, there's, um, again, uh, it, it, LinkedIn is a fantastic tool that I find, which is yeah. being able to find both active and passive job seekers active there. You know, you put yeah. up a job posting and they apply automatically, mm. um, passive job seekers, you know, um, you, you can theorize, oh, I'm looking for somebody that does this in a sim in this type of company, you know, and they're probably ready for the next career step or what have you. Mm. And you can start reaching out to those people directly like, Hey, you know, would you be interested or know anyone that is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's one just to get them on the hook. But then two, um, once you're interviewing them in terms of selection, mm. um, 
you know, it's, it's really making sure that your why matches their why, mm-hmm. you know, um, that they're, uh, somebody that is going to want to pull forward, you know, with you, mm-hmm. um, that's, uh, that's difficult, you know, to find. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, um, earlier career folks, you know, uh, may need a little bit of coaching, you know, through the interview process, you mm-hmm. know, um, and you may have to say, well, you know, that why is close, but with this, you know, it, mm-hmm. so you almost have to kind of, um, bring them along that, you know, journey with you. Whereas, you know, later career, uh, people un- typically know what they want and why. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you don't have to spend too much time holding their hand in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, but the, uh, the also, some of the other things that I look for, you know, in hiring, um, for me personally, I always look for, um, it, it's funny, my, my wife uses this interview question. I started using it immediately after she said it because it fits in line with um, uh, the idea that, you know, um, can you influence outcomes or do they, you know, do outcomes happen and you have to react to it? And this mm-hmm. idea of being able to influence it and what have you. And um, so the, the interview question that I ask often now is, you know, um, do you consider yourself a lucky person? Yeah. And it's a very friendly, open way of, you know, um, asking, do you see yourself as a victim? Yeah. Or do you see somebody who makes their own luck? Um, and, and that, that is, um, it's amazing because you can see it. Are you responsible for your actions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and also, are you appreciative Mm. of the things that, you know, the opportunities, you know, do you, it's another way of saying, do you see the glass as half full or half empty? Mm you know, what is your optimism level? You know, it's, it, it, it goes in a lot of different ways, but it's a wonderful way to start that conversation to get some insight, mm. um, without being mischievous and mm. setting somebody up for failure. That's something I always hate in interviews. It's like, I, I don't, uh, I mean, from my personal opinion, I, I haven't done a lot of interviews, uh, to be honest, but, um, I, I've done interviews from, uh, as a as an employer uh for sure but i haven't done so many on the uh, on the other side i've done a couple of few but um but yeah when it's it's this kind of like puzzle riddle that you have to go through instead of just you know <laughs> just stop the dancing like can we just talk about what we're working on no. uh, and then of course, I understand. Like, you want to have some kind of. Um, you don't want to explain the entire process because you will have people that are trying to just fake their way mm-hmm. into the process. Of course, um, yeah. Have you experienced that, like with with uh, the fake lipstick <laughs> interview? <laughs> the, <laughs> the the people that are trying to sell you something yeah. that is maybe misrepresentative of who they actually are. Yeah, yeah, that happens often. Yeah. Um, so it's um, because it, it, that's the other thing is is somebody running away from their job or are they running to you? Yeah. Um, so as an employer, you want to you want to make sure you're always getting somebody who's running to you, not running away from mm. their current situation. And usually what I find is when somebody's trying to sell you something, it's because they're smart enough, you know, to to know their audience, um, but they're running away from their current job. Mm. And for me, you know, from an HR standpoint, I, I, 
one of the most helpful things that I always do is just to understand the different transitions in the resume. Yeah. Um, so if there's a gap in the resume, if they move from one company to the next, well, why'd you do that? You know, mm-hmm. why'd you, and um, understanding the rationale and when it doesn't make sense, you know, if it doesn't sit well in your gut mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, yeah, that's a rational reason, mm-hmm. you know, to move, um, you have to ask follow-up questions, yeah. um, but doing it in such a way where you're, um, you're giving them the opportunity to, you know, be truthful, you know, but some, a couple of times, um, with some people that are really trying to sell me, I, I just mm-hmm. say, stop, yeah. just stop. Yeah. You know, um, I'm looking for the truth. We don't have time yeah. for you to sell me a bill of goods. Yeah. Okay. Right now I'm not believing you. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's what you want me walking away with. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because sometimes stopping the interview and calling mm-hmm. it out in the moment um, will help correct that. And, and there's a couple of people that I've hired as a result because they immediately flipped and they said, look, here's the reason why, yeah. you know, so on and so I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, mm. that's what I want to get to, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's a good school. It's like, if, if, I mean, if you are, if you spend the last 10 years, uh, you work there or there, and then you, you shift to jobs because, uh, we say, worst case scenario you were stealing uh, at that job mm-hmm. or ooh, you you uh misconducted in some way uh then it's probably better to just say that immediately like hey i was 25 i was on drugs <laughs> I, I i was uh, i i screwed the secretary i i I, well, well, well there I'm, is a, there is a moment of maybe sharing too much information. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, this is very, uh, very this is brutal. this is extreme. I don't yeah. I don't know if I would be like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> let me let me please hire you immediately then because yeah. you've been one hundred percent truthful. Because, um, yeah, it, it's, it's something you still need to validate. Then, then he, he comes to work and he's like, I punched the CEO. Yeah, I was honest. <laughs> no, um, no. Uh, uh, for sure. I mean, you don't want to have lunatics just because of that. Uh, but better have somebody who's saying like, I, I, I might made a, I made a mistake and, mm. and uh, I own that mistake. So. That, that's the main thing is that yeah. they, they recognize what it was. They take that ownership, you yeah. know, and that accountability and they're not passing any, like yeah. there might be blame that can be placed on other people or the situation, what have you, but do mm. they hold themselves accountable? It's back to that victim mentality. Do yeah. they see that? their actions are the ones that they are in control of and that they can, you know, move things forward in, mm. in an effective and positive way. So, um, yeah. What, what would you say is the biggest uh, difference between, um, let's say, um, the, uh, the, uh, the entrepreneurs and the uh, laborers, uh, la- the labor or... Um, it, Again, it's, you know, um, it's entrepreneurs, they have an idea, they want to make it real and they, they want to make a living off of it and they want to pursue it. And generally speaking, these are people that are never victims, you know, they, mm-hmm. um, almost never, unless they're just a bad entrepreneur and mm-hmm. fell into some money. Um, but, uh, generally speaking, they see that they influence the world. They change, you know, mm-hmm. they, they move things forward. Um, where somebody from, you know, a labor perspective that Mm -hmm. is showing up for a paycheck and, you know, Mm -hmm. just doing a job, um, that's, that's how they view their, their job. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a job, you know, but there are many uh, guys that are 
in that labor work, right? Mm -hmm. That might uh, uh, work for a company like yours, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they work at the manufacturing company in Turku. And yeah. they, they are like, my cost might be the same. Like, I really want to, you know, mitigate, mitigate uh, kids from uh, growing up with some kind of severe yeah, yeah. problem. And their call, calling is so big. And they, they might say this to, you know, the, the CEOs or for, for the managers, like, hey, we should implement this change to the systems or whatever. And they say, like, yeah, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, we don't like it's a good idea, but we don't have time right now. And those guys then might end up in, you know, creating their own um, side business where they might even consult for that company. Or uh, they may make their own machine, or yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. So I think um, there's a there's a level of what I would be um, trying to find the words for it, but you're content in your job, you know, but you're not complacent, you know. Um, so um, there's, you know, are you content? You know, that's that engagement fulfillment aspect. And that applies to both the laborer and the entrepreneur and the CEO. You know, it's like, you know, do they, are they switched on and, you know, pulling forward? Um, but there's a complacency aspect of, you know, should we do more? You mm -hmm. know, the entrepreneur always wants to do more. Mm -hmm. um, the CEO always wants to do more. The, or at least that's what you hope, you know, yeah. that they're, they want to grow. They want to, you know, build. They want to, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, to your point, the laborer that, you know, maybe doesn't want to change certain ways or, you know, do certain things because, you know, they're like, we're, mm. this is working. Like, mm. let's not change things because nine times out of 10, what they've seen is, you know, changes, you know, that occur. And then they, you know, it's mm. like, it doesn't take root. And then they're like, well, why buy into the next one? And yeah. then, you know, so, um, those are, those are, you know, differences that I would see, but, you know, you, you know who those are and it's it's pretty easy to identify mm. so anyway. um yeah very, very i could i could probably keep on going all day here because i i have <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of things uh going through my mind um and um but yeah that's why i enjoy doing this format it's kind of like uh the podcast format i don't know if i like the video format i usually have very bad hairstyle in the videos um but you but stop I, wearing hats <laughs> I, I made mention of the fact that i always saw you in a hat or a beanie you know and then you stopped wearing them all together so you know i mean yeah, yeah so that's yeah, uh um there's no plan behind that it's just uh yeah it just happens um however um uh, I would uh, like to thank you for you know um, um, being uh, being part here, and I hope some people also had some got some good um, you know ideas from this podcast too. Um, no, no, the, the camera went open. The <laughs> camera's like, I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm just gonna uh, my face again. There we go. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, maybe we just should close off with because um, how how uh, how how I even know you? You're you're a member of uh, the gym, the 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 CrossFit box uh, mm -hmm. uh, we have here, and uh, um, I think yeah, you're probably the 
Uh, yeah, there, you're the first member. Oh, I am. In, in, interview. Uh, right I now. was unaware of that. Yeah. I, had I known that, I might have like dressed up or <laughs> or tried to present myself slightly better. Got a beanie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so but I, the the idea is simply that we have these small gyms where we have uh, amazing people with um with all these stories that i think stories connect people and and your stories about you know uh being abroad and everything it might inspire somebody who's like not even in berlin somewhere else in the world but knows that there is a possibility to live this kind of life and do these kind of things <clears throat> and uh, i think that's a part of like somewhere where our uh, vision is like we're talking about that yeah is because we want to help help people to feel better and be happier so how 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 can we reach more people and i think stories are a very good way to connect people even that you don't know and you remember the details much better mm -hmm. when you can follow a, a storyline yeah um well, I was I was yeah. thinking about it because I don't know what your interview process is for hiring coaches and other you know people yeah. at uh, at the box, but you're doing something right because everyone you know that I've met that you know you and Gerardo have you know um, have hired is um, is switched on is helpful is you know service oriented is just you know um, I, you know it's it's funny I'll, I'll hear other people talk about other gyms and just these bad experiences and I'm like every time I'm at you know, um, escape is I'm, I'm always happy about the experience that I have, even when I get my ass kicked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, I, I, I take, I take both ownership for that, but I, I, I don't take any, um, I don't say it, it's because of a grand scheme, uh, in that sense, it's, I, I'm lucky because I, because this forum has the great opportunity of meeting people. So um, most of the people that are now coaches in the box, there are people I got to know through the box. So mm -hmm. we, I, I guess we connected already and I, we've seen each other every day for years before we even start working together. So we, we already know, are you always late? Are you always, are you always moody? Uh, or are you always like, hey, how can I help? Mm -hmm. And and then you, I mean, if you're a wolf of Wall Street, uh, you probably want to have somebody who's like trying to, you know, pickpocket you, right? It, that's a guy you want to employ when mm -hmm. you're there. But uh, if you have somebody who's like, that you notice is always there with a smile helping you, it's like, okay, you know, what can you do? And mm -hmm. that's, that's more of the conversation you start to look for. It's like, okay, how can we utilize this? This is a, like awesome. It's, again, spending time with people that you like spending time with. Mm -hmm. And we have the fortunate of spending time with, of course, our coworkers and uh, also our members. So all that is a huge win, I think, for everyone because, yeah, we have, we spend more time with people we enjoy. Yeah, spending time with <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm I'm super 
super grateful for you uh, participating, sharing your knowledge. And um, no, thanks for having I, me. I this hope, was fun. I hope this inspires some of our uh, some of our members uh, uh, also to join. Um, we are actually now right now located in a hotel that belongs to one of our members. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, it's called Pen Pension Peters. Uh, if you are looking for somewhere to stay in Berlin, uh, you can use the coupon. No, we don't have any coupons, but you should definitely stay here. They are um, they uh, they've been here for a pretty long while. Uh, they're doing something good and they're they made it possible for us to to to, yeah. sh to lend this room. Uh, there is a, actually a bed here. You can't see it on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone else considering to do a podcast with Ricard should not be creeped out by the fact that he brings you to a hotel room. Uh, <laughs> nothing funny happens. Yeah. It's okay. It's safe. You know, there's windows. You're, you're Everything's good. You're so. allowed to keep your shirts on. So <laughs> Yeah. <it's> a... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, thanks you, Doc. We'll see you later in the week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Ricardo. <laughs>